You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. If you'd like to check out more resources or learn about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. If you have a Bible handy this morning, I invite you to open it to Isaiah chapter 40. I think we'll also flash it on the screen here. But in Isaiah chapter 40... We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11, but I'm going to read from the beginning of the chapter. This is the word of God. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double For all her sins. A voice cries. In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert. A highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. And every mountain and hill. Be made low. The uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. And all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers. The flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The grass withers and the flower fades. The word of our Lord stands forever. And this is the word of the gospel that was preached to you. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, now as we look into your word, we are reminded once again that the word is only ours as a stewardship. You are the one who gave it, and you are the one who owns it. And you are the one who speaks through it. And so may we not be distracted by the human messenger today, or by anything else, by our thoughts or what lies ahead later today, or, or this whole holiday season, and our Christmas shopping list, and the whole bit. But may we focus on your great present of presence, your presence with us. We thank you for that, and we ask that your Holy Spirit now would be our teacher as we look at this section of your word today. And we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 
If you read or listen to the news on any kind of a regular basis, you know that there's a lot more bad news out there than good news. And 2020 has been bad news on steroids. Would you like to hear some good news? Didn't hear you answer, but... Okay, so would I. And so would the people of Judah in Isaiah's day. The first 39 chapters of this book of Isaiah are almost completely judgment. Bad news. Judgment. But beginning in verse, or rather chapter 40, the whole emphasis shifts to one of consolation. The good news is that God Himself is coming to deliver His people. Isaiah 40 introduces a long section of comfort, rich with messianic prophecy. We could outline the chapter like this. The first 11 verses that we read today deal with this theme, God wants to save His people. After 39 chapters of righteous judgment, uh, now comes the message of gracious deliverance. And then verses 12 through 26 teach us that God is able to save His people. In poetic language, the the prophet portrays the incomparable power and greatness of God. And then finally, in verses 27 through 31, God will save His people. Israel only needs to wait on God's timing. And that's what that famous verse at the end of this chapter means. When it says, they who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. For those of us living on this side of the cross, the perspective has changed. The good news of Christmas is that the wait is over. God has come. He's come to earth as a a little baby, born of a virgin mother in the little town of Bethlehem. The good news of Easter is that this little baby grew up to live a perfect life and died a sacrificial death on the cross, that he was buried and that he rose triumphantly from the dead on the third day. The only waiting that's left for us is for the blessed hope, as the Bible speaks. The blessed hope and glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But regardless of where we stand in the march of time through history, the good news is the same. Behold your God. The word behold means means to look at, uh, to see. It implies more than a casual glance. It's a concentrated gaze. It's not just a a fleeting survey, but a focused study. So may we behold our God in Isaiah 49 through 11. As we do so, I would like to highlight three important truths. The first is this. In verse 10, we see it. Your God is mighty to save. This God that you are to behold is mighty to save. Although the baby of Bethlehem seemed like a helpless infant, and indeed, from a human perspective, that's exactly what he was. Yet, 
the Bible tells us that in this person, all the fullness of God dwells in bodily form. That's the mystery of godliness. Through his ministry, Jesus gradually and progressively revealed his saving power until it culminated with his resurrection from the dead and his ascension to glory. His arm rules for him, the text says. Now the arm is one of Isaiah's favorite metaphors for the power of God. For example, in Isaiah 33, verse 2, it says, O Lord, be gracious to us. We wait for you. Be our arm every morning in our salvation in time of trouble. Or in Isaiah 51, 5, the Lord Himself says, My righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. And in a similar way, sometimes instead of arm, it just says hand. The right hand of God, or, or His hand. It's also pointing to His strength. For example, when Isaiah 59, 1 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear dull that it cannot save or cannot hear. When I was doing an internship some years ago in biblical counseling, the first assignment for almost every counselee was to memorize Isaiah 41 verse 10. If you haven't memorized it, I commend it to you. It says, fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous right arm. Isaiah 53 shows us how the Lord's mighty arm works salvation. Let me read to you from Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed what they heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He's going to go on to speak about Jesus the Messiah this way. He had no form or majesty that we should look at Him, and no beauty that we should desire Him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, He was despised, and we esteemed Him not. Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. The Lord of all became the Lamb of God. Isaiah 40, verse 3, as we read, says, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. When you come to the New Testament, you find out who this voice was. It was actually the voice of John the Baptist, uh, saying, Prepare the way of the Lord. When John revealed Jesus as the Messiah, he said, Behold, there's that word again. Look, 
fix your eyes on Him. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If we are to behold our God, we need to behold the Lamb. We need to look in faith to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who, who died for our sins and rose again to secure our eternal salvation. The text says, Behold, His reward is with Him, and His recompense before Him. His reward is nothing less than the salvation that He's already purchased for us. He graciously gives us that salvation. He gives it to His people when they place their faith in Him. As the book of Hebrews says, that God is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek Him. Oh, so your God is mighty to save. But this awesome and powerful God is also a gentle shepherd. Shepherd in the Bible is often used to describe a leader of any kind. In the Old Testament, it's most often used of kings. Ezekiel 34 speaks of some of the bad kings that Israel had to endure. Listen to this from verses 2 through 4. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought home, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. There is no shortage of that kind of leaders in the world today. All over the world, corrupt politicians enrich themselves while the people that they govern languish in poverty. Our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, does just the opposite. 2 Corinthians 8 9 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. He set aside the riches that he had in heaven to live in poverty and to die a shameful death on the cross, so that we, his people, could enjoy the riches of His grace forever. The text says He will tend His flock as a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms and He will carry them in His bosom. He gently leads those that are with young. The same strong arms that we saw that are so mighty to save. Gently cradle little lambs. A New Parents magazine had a full-page ad that pictured this massively muscular man tenderly holding a tiny infant in his hands. That image is one of gentle strength. And that's your shepherd. Strong, yet gentle, yet tender with you. 
In John 10, Jesus describes the bad shepherds as thieves and robbers. He goes on to say, the thief only comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Later in that same passage, he says, My sheep hear my voice. And they come to me. They follow me. And I give to them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My friend, can you honestly say today, I'm his sheep. I belong to Jesus Christ. Have you listened to his voice? He's calling you from your self-willed ways and from your false hopes for security. He's calling you to come to Him. He's calling you to trust in Him for eternal life, for abundant life. If you're not sure you will go to heaven when you die, I plead with you, listen to His voice today. Come to Jesus and live. The last point I wish you to see from our text today is one that's often overlooked. In fact, some translations miss it entirely. But the ESV gets it right. And that is that your God is a missionary God. If you look in verse 9, you'll notice that it's not a mission to Jerusalem. It's a mission of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is pictured here. As the herald of good news. It's not that someone is announcing good news to Jerusalem. It is Jerusalem or Zion herself that is announcing the good news to the surrounding area. When the Old Testament was translated into Greek, the word for announcing good news was translated by a word from which we get our word evangelize. Telling the good news. Go up onto a high mountain. The highest point uh, around Jerusalem is the mountain ridge east of the city. Most commonly that is known, most of that ridge is known as the Mount of Olives. But the very highest point on that ridge is called Mount Scopus. You hear the, the scope in the name, the Latin for seeing, like telescope. It was a lookout place. From a tower atop Mount Scopus, the ancients could see far down the Jericho road into the hill country of Judah and beyond. And the idea of the text here is that the people of Jerusalem were to go up to that high mountain and shout out, Behold your God! I think you will remember that our Lord Jesus ascended to heaven from that very mountain. There he delivered his final charge to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The good news of the gospel was not to remain in Jerusalem, but to go out to all the earth. 
You and I have the same commission. Hebrews 12, 22 says that you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. As Zion citizens, we are the ones who are to shout out from the mountaintop this good news. We are the ones who are to carry the good news to the ends of the earth. So go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it in the marketplace. Go tell this message of good news. Jesus Christ is born. Jesus Christ lived. Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again. Jesus Christ ascended into glory where He ever lives to make intercession for us. And Jesus Christ is coming again. He says in the book of Revelation, the last right toward the end of the Bible in chapter 22, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Behold your God.